Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now we're studying the subject of prosperity or God's blessing. And let me say this. Doctrines that have been misused over the years... You better, know, you better know what you're talking about if you start getting into them and teaching on them. Because I guarantee you, if you've got a doctrine like prosperity that, you know, a lot of the internet and a lot of the different places you go to look it up, it's all negative. But you have to understand something. Every ministry, whether they believe in prosperity or not, needs money. You ever consider that? I was listening to a guy, oh, it's been about a year ago, and he was a real boy. I tell you, he was going after prosperity, prosperity preachers, and he was talking about how, uh, you know, how, uh, there are all these people are stealing money from the church and doing all this kind of stuff. Then at the end of his program, he took about 10 minutes raising money. I thought to myself, now wait a second here. You just preached against this for 20 minutes, and now the last 10 minutes, you're, you're, you're going to try and raise money? Come on. Amen. But listen, just because people mess up doctrines doesn't mean doctrines aren't true. The Word of God is given unto us. The Bible says in, where is it, uh, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 or 1 Timothy 3.16, it says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, uh, instruction in righteousness so that men and women of God may be mature and perfectly furnished. Now, one thing that we have to understand is there are two economies on the earth. There is the world's economy and there's God's economy. Just like there's two families on the earth. There's God's family and there's the human family. But there are two economies on the earth. There's the world economy, world's economy, and then there's God's economy. God's economy will not fail, cannot fail. It's a perfect economy because it's from God. But we are imperfect humans that have to walk in it and operate in it. The first thing we've done for the last three weeks is to establish it is the will of God for you to be blessed. Let me say that again. That's, that's where a lot of people, they just, well, what about the people in South America? And what about the people here? Listen, we're going we're gonna to stick with the Word of God. It is God's will for you to be blessed. Amen. He wants your life to look like you're a child of God. He wants that financially. He wants that for you physically. He wants that for you mentally. But then we get into this area in which people have really abused the Word of God when it comes to prosperity by using the Word of God to try to make people feel guilty or to use it to try to manipulate them. And I've seen it. I've been in meetings where I thought to myself, man, you just need to shut up. You're up there just trying to manipulate these people. That's all you're trying to do. And I've seen people do things emotionally, and I've seen people do... But listen, you can't operate in kingdom economics outside of the dimension of faith. That means it, it works by faith. Some people just give and some people even tithe out of religious obligation. And most of the, all of the scriptures we're going to use uh, 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 this morning are out of, the, uh, out of the Old Testament. And people always have this excuse, well, tithing is of the, is of the law. Well, here's the thing. We're going to see where it was in the book of Genesis beginnings. It was in the law. It was also in the new covenant. But here's something you have to just settle in your own heart. When it comes to kingdom economics, your responsibility is to God and God alone. That means the subject 
is not between you and a church, you and a pastor, you and a ministry. It's between you and God. And you have to understand that the Word of God is progressive revelation as we used the Scripture when we took the offering. And all of the promises of God are in Him, yea, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. The Word of God under the Old Covenant was called the law. How many know what a law is? It's something you don't have a choice over. I mean, we've got a speed limit out here, probably 30, 35 miles an hour. You tear out of here this morning going 100, that you break the law. Don't be surprised if somebody enforces the law. Yeah. Amen? But in the, in the dispensation that we live in, which Jesus began when he walked out of that tomb, we live in a dispensation of grace which means your obedience is not based on a have to, it's based on a get to. Which means what you get to do, what you decide to do, what, you, what the Word of God informs and inspires you to do, what your obedience comes out of, that is where your blessing will flow. You decide not to give, that's between you and God. You decide not to tithe, that's between you and God. You have to settle that between you and God. And listen, let me just say this. It, does, it has nothing to do with your eternal salvation. I've heard guys preach some things that I thought, man, that's just crazy. It has nothing to do with your eternal salvation, but it does have to do with your blessing here on the earth and not just financial blessing, but the ability of God to keep you in this earth. Physically, financially, mentally, in all kinds of areas. The, 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 I can think of about a half a dozen people over the years that I have pastored. I don't really recall. Maybe there was an incident uh, with a minister uh, having to do with his church, but I don't recall really talking to anybody about this as a field minister. But as a pastor, I can think of about six different, different times where I've had people uh, in my office and they were really in a crisis of life. And, you know, as they talked about what was going on in their life, I just, I just kept getting this, just kept rising up in my spirit. Ask them if they tithe. Ask them if they tithe. Ask them if they tithe. Because it's obviously their life was being devoured. So I would ask them, you know, well, do you tithe? Well, here's something you have to understand. I don't, I don't see who gives what around. I don't do that. I don't look to see if you're tithing or if you're offering. I just like to see the big, big number at the end of the day. <laughs> That's what I write down in my prayer log, amen. I don't see who gave what. But here's the thing. Every time I've been in that situation and the Lord just kept prompting me to say, ask them if they tithe. They've said no. They've gotten very angry and left the church just like that. Never saw them again. Now I'm like, why was there such a violent reaction to that? It was just a question Obviously, they weren't tithing. And obviously, the reason they were having the problem they were having was because of disobedience in their life to what God had probably spoke to them about when it came to tithing and offering. Amen? Now, in field ministry, this is amazing, especially in places where there wasn't a lot of word that had been taught generation after generation, like in the nation of Ireland. And then in some of the meetings that we've done down in Central America, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking ex expressly about a crusade we did down in Honduras one year. where We had about, oh, I don't know, there was about 2,500 people that were there. We saw such wonderful miracles, signs and wonders. It was just awesome. 
and there was really no demonic manifestation of any kind. We knew there were people there that were very much oppressed by devils. We knew there were people there that might have been even possessed by devils, but they, they, they never really stirred. They never really caused anything until we begin to talk about prosperity. And man, when we started talking about prosperity, the devils went nuts. Same thing in Ireland. I mean, I'd be up preaching and teaching. I'd mention something about giving. And I'm, if there was somebody in that, in that particular meeting that was oppressed by a devil or possessed by a I'm telling you, man, they would just go off just like that. And I used to always think, why in the world, why in the world is that such a touchy subject? And why in the world is when you get up, why is that when demons seem to manifest? Why does it cause such a demonic manifestation, especially in a, in a, in a setting where there are people of God there? Now, we're going to try to look at that, that this morning. So in your Bibles, if you will, let's start out in Genesis. Genesis chapter 14. Abraham was a unique man. Abraham was a man that God began to interact with, and this is truly what I would call God's man after the flood, after Noah after everything that had gone on with Noah, everything that had gone on after the flood, uh, God found in Abram, uh, all I can say is this, he found someone who heard him. I don't know, he may have been speaking to dozens of people, but Abram responded to God. God initiated contact. Everybody say initiated. Now there's, a, there's great teaching in there, and I don't want to get off on it, but in Abram's life, there is a pattern of of. of how can I say it? There's a pattern of, inter pattern of interaction with God that works in every, every area of relationships in our life. It's the, it's the beginning, the, the initiation. Somebody initiates something. Out of that initiation comes communication. Out of that communication comes fellowship. Out of that fellowship comes relationship. Out of that relationship comes covenant. You that are married, that's how you got married. Did you know that? Somebody, somebody said, hey, how are you? <laughs> What's your name? Would you like to go to, where are we going? Popeye's. <laughs> for, all you, for, all of the, for all of you that didn't make it to Popeye's before it closed on Wednesday night, amen. Would you like to go out to Popeye's and have some chicken, you know? So somebody initiated, and, and in that initiation, what happened? Communication began to take place. And if communication was favorable, fellowship began. If fellowship worked out, then relationship began. If relationship, then it led to what? Covenant. That's why you're married. That's why we call marriage, marriage covenant. Amen. Abram found this out. That's how it works with God. God, listen, you weren't looking for God when you found him. He was looking for you. Amen. God initiated his interaction with you 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead and the gospel goes out to do what? That's God initiating communication with humanity. I love you. I care about you. I've got a plan for your life. I want to bless your life. I want to protect you. I want to keep you. I want to be your heavenly father down here on earth just like I'm going to be in heaven when you get there. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And if you responded to that, then out of that came some fellowship. You might, have, you might have started coming to church. You might have decided, to, you know, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. But out of that, you got born again. You went into a relationship with God. Amen. And out of that relationship comes what? The covenant of God. That's exactly what went on in Abram's life. Now, in this particular portion of Scripture, in chapter, let me find it here, chapter 14, they had, uh, these kings had risen up. 
they had gone into uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and they had, had pretty much uh, raided the cities and taken people captive away, taken a lot of uh, material things away. And, and one thing they did is they attacked uh, 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 one of Lot's, excuse me, one of Abram's relatives, Lot. And because of that, Abram rose up. He had uh, 300 and something servants and they went out and they took it all back and defeated those kings. You know why he did? With such few men, God was with him. And so he got the spoil. He got all of that that, the, uh, that those, uh, 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 those bandits and those kings had stolen. He got it all back and he's coming back to restore it. Now, now in verse 14, pick it up in verse 14. It says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after the return of the, of the slaughter of Chedalamona. I think that's how you say it. And of the king's that were with him at the valley of Shava, which is the king's dale. Now notice this. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest, and he was the priest, the most high God. Now, people say, who was Melchizedek? He was the priest of the most high God. I do not know everything there is to know about Melchizedek because there's not a lot of information on him. But he was a different duck. The Bible says, obviously indicates, he was some type of spirit entity on the earth that had taken human form that was some type of mediator between God and man. He lived in Jerusalem, which was, is, and forever will be, anybody know? The city of God. King of Salem, that's Jerusalem. So obviously he represented some type of intermediary, some type of intercessor, some type of go-between between God and man. And he came out, he initiated something, he came out to greet Abram after this great victory of this battle. And he brought with him, notice, bread and wine. Now everybody knows the significance of bread and wine, the type and shadow of bread and wine, of the Word and of the Spirit, the Word and the Spirit, the Word and the Spirit, the bread, the bread of life, wine, the Spirit of God. Amen? So he brings this out. Now notice what it says. Bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, or he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And, he ble and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him, or speaking of Abram, Abram gave Melchizedek tithes, of all. Now, first of all, when I first began to serve the Lord, I ended up in Bible school at Lakewood, Lakewood Church in Houston. Pastor John Osteen was pastoring then. Uh, his son uh, Joel pastors it now. And uh, Pastor John was very, you know, he was very uh, meticulous about teaching on giving. He'd never take a long time and try to, you know, try to, uh, uh, try to beat you to death or try to manipulate you or try to make you feel guilty. He just taught the Word. He did, a, he did a series on giving one time that went something like 13 or 14 weeks. And it increased the income of the church by 30 or 40% because people begin to realize, I may give, but I'm not doing it by faith. Now, let me just say this. Everything that I teach on giving, I've learned Number one, by revelation of the Word of God. Number two, by experience. I've proved it. The Bible says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Financially, for 
the last 20 something years, Leah had a business up until 1996, but financially we've really had no connection with the world in any way other than just living by faith and trusting God since 1996. We've lived totally by faith financially, physically and every way else too, but financially totally by faith. Now, that has presented us with some very unique problems over the years, but it's also given us some incredible answers, some miraculous breakthroughs. So when I was young in, in, in Bible school and, and, and you know, my, just filling myself up with the Word and, and I would hear these teachings, especially on tithing, and tithing was explained to me, the word tithe uh, is 10%, comes from the word 10, and talks about 10% of your income and the way Pastor John taught it, doesn't even belong to you, belongs to the Lord. We'll see that in, in a few minutes. We'll look at another scripture. Doesn't even belong to you, belongs to God. And he said, he used to teach us, now if you will tithe, you as a New Testament believer, you can claim every promise. You can claim every promise of the tithe. He says, but if you don't tithe, you can't. So I used to think, well, what are the promises? So I went and began to dig the, dig the promises. Well, what are the promises of the tithe? And I began to see in the Word of God. Now, as I begin to prepare this message, I begin to see some things even more spectacular, more supernatural. Here came Abram, and he has all this spoil. Out comes Melchizedek. He ties of the spoil to Melchizedek. Then the king of, the king of Sodom comes in, and he wants his little cut. He wants to kind of manipulate it. And, and Abraham said, look, you take what you want because I guarantee you, I don't want anybody to say that in any way you've made me rich. Now, what's going on here is two systems are being shown to us right now. All the way back in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, God is showing us there is the system of Melchizedek and Abram tithing, giving, doing what God says to do. And then there is the system of Sodom, the world system. You choose which one you get to live in. Amen? Afterwards, you can go study for yourself. Afterwards, what was the promise of, of, of God to Abram? That he was going to give him a son. And up until this time, nothing had been going on. But after he tithed, God showed up in a vision. Did you get that? God showed up in a vision and reinforced his word. Abram had a little bit of doubt in him. He was like, well, you know, uh, it looks like this thing isn't working, God, because, uh, you know, uh, there's nobody left to receive what I have to, to give them an inheritance except, you know, someone who is a servant in my house. And God said, Abram, I told you out of your own bowels are going to come. Kings and nations. I mean, God just began to reinforce it. Then he took him out and he said, look at the dust of the, of the, of the, of the desert. He said, so shall your seed be as innumerable as this dust. And I guarantee you, Abram, you go back in the scripture, it says he was very rich in cattle. He was very rich in gold and silver. God blessed him because of his willingness to obey God with his money. Now, with that in mind, we're still in the book of Genesis. Everybody say Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter, go to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26. Now we're dealing with Isaac. Isaac is who? Anybody remember? He got the promise. That means what God promised Abram now is in Isaac. 
And Isaac, verse 26 starts out by saying this. It says, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abram. And Isaac, Isaac went, into the, uh, uh, went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, unto Gur. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down to Egypt and dwell in the land, which I, but dwell in the land which I, shall, which I shall tell thee of. Now, a famine was going on in what we know as the land of Canaan, the land of Israel. And, and Isaac's fixing to go to Egypt. Egypt at that time, if you go study uh, uh, some of the Bible commentators that talk about what's going on at this time, Egypt began to figure out how to irrigate. They had this big river called the Nile going through their nation and they had desert on both sides. And they began to figure out, how, you know how they started? They just started carrying buckets. They just started using buckets and planting close to the river and they'd carry buckets out of the river and go start watering their crops with it. Then they figured out, well, you know, we can cut canals. We can, we can, we can take and they, they would make these things. They had these big deals on it. They'd push it down the river and bring it up and bring it around and then they'd dump it into these things they would make out of wood and they would actually create this irrigation system and because even though there was a drought in the area, they were irrigating crops and there was crops. There were things in in the land, there was substance there. But where Isaac was, there was no substance. And God said, don't go to Egypt. Don't go to the world. Stay where I tell you to. Amen? Now, all the things that, that happened, he kinda, kinda, <laughs> kind of uh, repeated the behavior of Abram, Abraham, trying to hide, uh, hide uh, Rebekah from the, from the king. But now, go over to verse uh, 18. Is that 18? Oh, it's 12, excuse me, verse 12. It says, Then Isaac sowed in that land, or sowed in the place where God told him, and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, what do you think that looked like? In a drought area, Isaac sowed in a drought area where there was a famine and a drought going on, and all of this dead land all around him where nothing's being produced, and here's this field that's full of crop. Crops are already up and producing. And a hundredfold of what he sowed was produced through his giving. The, the, what I'm trying to get you to see in the book of Genesis, everybody say Genesis. This is the book of beginnings where things are being established. We see not only tithing, but we see offering. Tithing and offering. Now, I don't know what it is, church, I don't know what it is. I walked into a green room. How many know what a green room is? It's kind of like a, what would you call that? A hospitality room? Hospitality room. In a, in a camp meeting I was preaching at one time and, and uh, uh, there was all these preachers were in there and I kind of walked in and was looking around, standing around. And I looked standing over in the corner was Brother Kenneth Copeland. So I just walked over to him. I'd met him in a previous meeting and began to talk to him. And all of a sudden, the, the Spirit of God came on me and he grabbed me by my coat like this and pulled me up to his face. I thought, what is this man doing to me? And I'm telling you, he, said, he spit all over my face when he said it. He said, Rusty, you need to tithe. I said, I'm tithing. He said, if you tithe, there's nothing that God can't do for you. He can do anything for you. But if you don't tithe, there's nothing he can do for you. I said, Brother Copeland, I swear, I'm, I'm tithing. <laughs> I mean, you know, that got everybody in the room's attention. Amen. I begin to realize that this thing is so strong. What is it? I, I can only surmise. I can't, I'm not going to get on a doctrine level and say, this is it. 
I can only surmise there's something about an individual who serves God, who reserves 10% of their income and gives it to God as a, as a willing, joyful sacrifice of their life. There's something about that that God really likes. He really digs that. All the tithers say amen. 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 amen? I mean, there's just something about it. There's something so supernatural about it. There's, so, there's something about the favor of God. I was listening to this guy one time. It's been, oh, five or six years ago. And I, I was flipping through the channels. And there's an interview. And this guy, he looked like the devil. He had, he had this hair down to here. He had this makeup all over his face and stuff like that. And this guy was interviewing him, asking him about his, this financial investment he had made. He had made all this money. You know what he said? Blew my mind. He's, a, he's a, a, a drummer in some rock band. I can't remember the rock band, but he, he, looked like a, he looked like the devil on a biscuit, I'm telling you. <laughs> he said this, and because the, the, the thing was about, you know, rock stars that had blown their fortune and others that had made all this money. You know who the richest rock stars anybody know? It's Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney's father-in-law handled all of his money and made him almost a billionaire. Well, this guy, this is what this guy said because he had made all this money. This is what he said. I couldn't believe You could tell this guy ain't serving God. This guy's wicked as he can be. This is what he said. I was raised in a Christian home, taught to tithe. So every dime I've ever made, I've given it back to God. I'm like, you need to come to Island Church and preach this. Amen? There's just something about the tithe that when you out of a willing heart and by a revelation of the word of God and by faith, you say, Lord, 10% of every dime that comes into my life does not belong to me. It belongs to you, Lord. Now, here's the thing. It not only affects you, it affects down through your generations. I don't know what Isaac did, but I do know this because of the tithe of Abraham, because the Bible says that even the priesthood, the Levites over in Hebrews received the blessing of the tithe because of Abraham. When Isaac came time for him to sow, he received a hundredfold wherever he sowed at. Amen? Now, let's close with this real quick. I had one more in Genesis where it talked about Jacob. He said, I'll give, uh, I'll surely we'll give a tenth after he had that great encounter with God in chapter 28 of Genesis. And he saw the ladder going up to heaven, the angels of God and all that that took place. At the very end of that, he said, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. Speaking of the tithe. But I want to go, while well, my time's up, I want to go to Malachi because that's, that's really the most controversial. That's why I brought my, I brought my message Bible because I looked at it in so many different translations. But man, I like the message Bible, what the message Bible says. Let me read it King James first. Now, if you go study Malachi and what Malachi is about, Malachi is a rebuke because Israel got into sin. Listen, because of law, everybody say law. Because of law, when they obeyed the law, the blessing of God was all over them. I mean, they, uh, the Bible says of Solomon's reign, he was the richest king that was ever, uh, would ever be on the earth, that the silver coins were as the stones of the street. I mean, they were laying there and people would walk by them. Man, that's, that's pretty good, cool, living in a city like that, amen? I'd be picking those coins up, especially with what silver's worth today. But now Malachi, there is a, it's an invitation. Come back to God. 
Come back to God. Come back. You've done this. You've done that. You've gotten into adultery. You've, you, you've, not been, you've not been kind to widows nor orphans. You've, you've just been, you've been but, but you need to come back. And then he kind of answers the question, well, how do we come back? So he answers the question. This is what we pick up when he teaches. Find it there in verse 8 of chapter 3. Let me find it here. Well, let's go to verse 7. This will help you understand it. Even the days of the Father, you're gone away from my ordinances. You have not kept them. Return unto me. See, this is God. Come back. Return, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? That's King James. How can we return? Then God says, will a man rob God? Now, number one, how do you rob God? He's got everything. He is everything. But when you do not obey God, you rob God of His ability to interact in your life. He wants to come into your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you financially. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be a picture of what the family of God looks like even in heaven as it is on earth or even on earth as it is in heaven. How many agree with that? God wants to do that. Down here on this fallen world, He wants people to see what it means not to be fallen. Now, let me say this. Now, read the scripture. My time's up. Don't get your eyes on the world. Well, pastor, I'm telling you, there's, there's billionaires. There's so many millionaires. They've got so much money. Let me, let me just pose this one question to you. All of these people with all this money that are worldly and in the world and in the world system, their money is never used for the causes of God. The causes of God, which are the hungry. The causes of God, which are the people that don't know Him. The causes of God, which are benevolent. The causes of God. I've watched some of these guys, especially from the past generation, who everything they earned, everything they believed God for, every dime that came in, they were trying to help someone. That's, there's a purpose for God to bless us on the earth. That is the expansion of His kingdom. He wants his kingdom to expand because where his kingdom ex expands, people know that he's good. So how do we rob God? We rob him of his ability to give us the insights, the concepts, the ideas, the blessings, the strength, the courage to press forward with what he says to do. You don't want to rob him of that. I believe we're robbed of even more. I believe we're robbed of our ability to hear from him. I heard a preacher say that years ago, and, and, the, and, the, and the person that said it is a very reputable, you know, man of tremendous integrity. And when he said it, I kind of went, oh, man, I don't know if I like that or not. I don't know if I want to repeat that or not. Well, I don't know if it's true or not because I've always tithed. But he said this. He said, when you get born again, one of the first things that God does is deal with you about renewing your mind. Get into a local church, sitting under the teaching of the Word of God. Then he'll begin to deal with you about tithing and offering. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Then he said this, if you can't hear God's voice when it comes to the obedience of tithing and offering, what makes you think you're going to hear his voice on anything else? I go back to the people that's been in my office over the years that I posed the question to do, do you tithe? Obviously their life was in a terrible situation because they had not heard from God. And it's amazing if you go study Genesis or the book of beginnings, how many times even in Jacob's life, in Abram's life, after a tithe, 
communication began from God. He began to speak, began to speak, began to say, you know, here's a vision, here's a dream, here's what we're going to do, here's how we're going to do it. We do not want to rob God of what? His ability to do what He wants to do in our life. Will a man rob God? Everybody say, not me. Not me. Say, not me. Yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering. You are cursed with a curse, for you have, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, and if, see if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be enough room to receive it. Now let me read, let me read that in my... Let me read this in my message Bible. Is that all right? It says, but you ask, how do we return? Begin by being honest. Do honest people rob? Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, well, how have we robbed you? The tithe and the offering, that's how. You're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provision in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself and pour you out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, now listen to this. I will defend you against marauders. Protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunder. The message of God, the angel army says so. You'll be voted the happiest nation. You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. God says so. Amen? You can't claim what you don't obey. Now, let, let me settle it and we'll, and we'll close with this. I'm not up here saying, you better tithe or you're going to hell. You better tithe or this is going to happen. I'm not going to say that at all. We live under a dispensation of grace and mercy of God. But church, we as a people on the planet are entering in to some places financially as a nation, as people that live in America and on this earth in which there are perilous times not coming but already happening financially. I mean absolute incredible, incredible reactions to some of the actions that are being taken right now are not going to be positive, they're going to be negative. There are tax increases they're printing tons of money. Inflation, hyperinflation. It's not, listen, it's going to happen. It's going to hit. Thank God for all these wonderful... Right, listen, if you need to buy a house, you need to buy it right now. You need to buy it right now. I'm going to tell you that from, from the word of the Lord. You need to buy it right now. You say, well, these interest rates are not going to hold and you're going to watch a tremendous deterioration in just the next few months of the economy of our nation. It's already begun. It's already happened. You can't do, like we said, what, last week or week before last, if you operated financially like our nation has operated, you'd be thrown in jail. You can't do that. In the midst of that, God wants to bless His people. But you have to let Him. Through your obedience. Pastor, you're just trying to raise money. I've never tried to raise money. I've never done that. We've never put undue pressure. We've never tried to manipulate. We've never, we, this is what the Bible says. I want the devourer rebuked out of my life. Amen. I want God guarding me and watching over me and protecting me. 
I tithe the church's money. I tithe our personal money. I tithe on all the income that comes into our life. We've done it for 37 years. We have tithed and we have offered. When you tithe, that prepares the soil for your offering to go into the ground and produce. How can you produce a crop when the devourer is not rebuked? But if you will tithe, if you will offer, I guarantee you in the midst of the greatest economic downturn this world has ever seen, your most prosperous days will come into your life. And you will have increase and you will have blessing. Now just listen to the words. The words that are in my book. The words that are revelation and the words that are life. For that which is being said is true. And these are perilous times. But I desire to put my hands into your life, yea, even your finances. To the point that even those that do not know the provision that I have placed in my word will look at your life and say, truly the blessing and the favor of God is upon them. For you must see that even that will testify of my goodness and my grace in these last days as people are panicking and in great fear and great, uh, and great fear of that which is coming into their own life. They will see you in faith, in joy, and in a confidence which they've never experienced. And your own finances will testify of the goodness of God in your life. You will be kept, blessed, and increased mightily in the last of these last days. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you. Now, Lord, here's what I pray. Anybody under the sound of our voice in which tithing and offering has been a real issue in their life, I pray that your grace will come down upon them now and help give them understanding we criticize no one for not giving. We criticize no one for not tithing. I know it takes faith. It takes the faith that only the Word of God can produce. But Father, I know you stand behind every cross, T, and dotted I of your Word. And I thank you that in this day, in this hour, when many times it will be so inconvenient to tithe and offer, thank you for the willing hearts and the obedient servants that will obey your word and receive the blessing of all that you have for them. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Praise you, God. Father, thank you so much for this morning, for your blessings upon our life. And as is our tradition, we proclaim Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We declare in all of our travels, highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we are protected. Father, we also thank you as we handle the righteous, the righteous resource you have given us, our jobs, our businesses, our investments. We thank you, Father, that your blessing is there. There's no trauma, there's no terror, evil plans of wicked men, accidents of any kind. We declare we abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. Father, as we leave today, we also ask that you would stir into our hearts a spirit of evangelism, a fire on the inside of us, that everywhere we go, 
We are blessings to people, answers to their prayer, problems to the devil, and miracles in people's lives. We leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We walk in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You have called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.